You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. All right, everyone, it's time for the next episode of the Ice Cold Takes podcast. Today, we'll talk about the David Quinn firing, the Ryan Lindgren extension, and what we need to add in the offseason. But first, I think Kiriakos has a few words to say to me. <laughs> so we're recording this on Thursday. Um, and this morning, we were actually supposed to have a special guest on the show. And it, it comes around. We were supposed to have him on at 11. And I, I started texting Joey maybe like 1040. I'm like, hey, man, like you up, like you ready? You want to hop on the, the Zoom early? Um, no response. I, 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 I kind of had a feeling that <laughs> he might be sleeping. So I started texting him a little bit more. I, I called him once. Wasn't too panicky at the time, but I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe he'll, he'll, he'll come around. And then it uh, comes out 10.50, 11 o'clock, and I'm trying to like, talk to the guests and be like oh like sorry like uh i'm trying i'm trying to get my partner um i'm trying to get in contact with my partner but no, nothing's happening so uh, <laughs> it was a little awkward there but um glad to see joey's okay <laughs> i'm not gonna be too hard on him because i did the same thing a couple of weeks ago <laughs> so i can't really be one to chew his ear off but uh what's what's your story huh listen i'm not here to make excuses what happened was I went to sleep late and I woke up early at like six in the morning and my alarm set to nine and I was just like, all right, I got three hours. Let me go back to sleep. So I go back to sleep. My dog comes in my room and she's like crying because she wants to get picked up and she wants to sleep on my bed. So I pick her up. She takes up like pretty much half the bed and <laughs> a tiny little dog too and she's like she she like curls up into a ball in like the one spot <laughs> and i couldn't move well, i'm not gonna blame i'm not gonna blame my dog <laughs> but i couldn't move and you know the eight the the android alarms are are very soft they're not like the iphone like the blah, blah, yeah. they're they're like water at on the beach kind of <laughs> feeling so that just goes right through me. My mom's trying to wake me up. Uh, we got to go to Kohl's. We got to bring something back or something. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Uh, okay, okay, okay. And I guess I just went back to sleep or something. I don't know. <laughs> I dozed off again. See, that's why my alarm is the Rangers go horn. And like on max volume. Because I won't wake up to anything else other than like a, a loud blaring alarm. It's a good idea. Yeah. I like that idea. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna have to think of something. It, honestly... I wouldn't suggest it because every time you do hear the Rangers go horn in a game, you cringe because it's the sound you hear when you wake up. <laughs> you get Vietnam flashbacks. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that roast session, the roast of Joey DiMeglio out of the way, there was some big news in Rangers town this, this week. David Quinn 
the head coach has been fired and you know the fire Quinn people have won. It's been a it's been a long it's a been a long journey for 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 DQ uh, since since the rebuild a 2018-19 season camp comes out of college uh, out of uh, Boston or whatever and um, first year behind the bench the second year he had some high expectations with Panarin uh, back there and we got Truba they did well enough to make it to the play in and then the third year that was like you know it was kind of a toss up and I think management really just wanted to completely flip the script like first the Jeff Gordon uh John Davidson firings and then this so I'm not surprised at all that this happened what do you think Kiriakos David Quinn got binned <laughs> entered the Quinn bin no but um yeah like you said I didn't think it was a surprise especially after you saw Gordon and JD go down um so you kind of expect uh jury to come in and, and kind of implement his own coach um and all the coaches like that but it's kind of funny all the memes coming out like after Benoit Lair wasn't fired and everyone else was um how he's like the iron man he's never going anywhere um and rightfully so like we we praise him all the time on this this podcast uh, but it, I got actually kind of scared when I saw like the initial tweet I saw like David Quinn fired and then like along with staff and then I saw Benoit Lair's name for some reason and I was like do not even tell me they got rid of him. Do not even tell me. And then I like had to reread it and saw like he was the only exception to it. Yeah. So um, that gave me a little scare, but uh, other than that, I think we kind of expected it. Um, I think he wanted to wait until like the, the player exit interviews happened and then he was kind of going to get rid of him. But now there's like a couple questions that are up in the air. Like there's been so many different coaches like involved in this, like, uh, in this hiring process, I feel like there's so many different coaches available, um, whether they're here in the U.S. Or, or across the seas. We saw a couple of coaches um, in the SHL might be up for the job. Um, I don't think they're going to get it, but it's kind of interesting to see that. And then also, like, what's next for David Quinn, too? Uh, yeah, he, he could go to – I think some rebuilding teams would be good. Honestly, maybe, maybe even the Seattle team. Who knows? Maybe Maybe – you do well there. I don't know. His style of coaching is pretty interesting. Um, there's definitely plenty of candidates to for, for replacing him. We'll talk a little bit about some of them. There's, you know, John Tortorella, which I think would be a disaster. I love Torts the person. Kiriakos and I love him. Like, I if the Rangers rehired him, no doubt I would watch every – I would stay until – Every single interview, <laughs> post-game interview with him is completed. And then I'd go do my reaction. That was, just, that's what I would do with him. They should just have his post-game interviews exclusively with Larry Brooks. Yes, just <laughs> exclusively with Larry Brooks. Like, that would, that would be great. Oh, my gosh. I'd I, I pay to watch that, honestly. <laughs> if, if they just, like, you, if they did it, like, you know, you have to subscribe or something, Pay-per-view. I'd pay $5 a month to, do, to watch that, honestly. <laughs> Like, It'll be a pay-per-view that, post-game interview. Yeah, I love Torts. He's a great person, uh, like a humanitarian. He's he's great. Um, but again, just with this team, we're built with a bunch of skill. The teams he coached with the Rangers, like the 2012 team, that was a gritty team. That was not, you know, a, a flashy, te- a finesse team. Really, it was more finesse when we got AV. 
that's that's when it got finessed. But when we had Dubinsky and Boyle, when we had John Scott too for that short period of time, like Brandon Prost, those guys, that, that was gritty. We relied on those guys heavily. But the one thing that I did love about Torres was that he set the defensive system for, you know, like McDonough and Stahl and Girardi. And then when AV took over, they pretty much kept that system, but improved the offense. And that's what I liked about it. There's another guy, Mike Babcock. Um, I, there's been <laughs> lots, lots of thoughts on him because, you know, he coached the Maple Leafs and it was supposed to be this, the Shanna plan was what they called it because they had Shanahan as the owner and then they, they took Babcock from the, the Red Wings and that was supposed to be like a good thing for, for Matthews and for, for Marner, Nylander. And it just, it kind of just never worked out. Right. Because like, I think we talked about it, right? All they did in practice was skill work. Yeah. I mean, you would, I think he, they brought him in for that very fact and like to kind of bring them some structure. Cause I always say Toronto always looks like a team like chickens without heads. Like they're just running around. Like they don't know um, how to play in their defensive zone. Um structurally and then he kind of just like couldn't bring that to them for whatever reason and they ended up kind of being the same team and not really progressing to where they wanted to be so um, he didn't really work out there and I think in his last years in Detroit it, it wasn't going too well either I mean that's also attributed to the players that he had and a lot of the older guys kind of moving out but I don't know I I like I'm, I'm not the type of person to like say bad things about people but I think he's washed like I don't think um he would be a good good fit for this job um there's also Gerard Gallant who to be honest with you the the two prior firings that he had the first one in Florida and then the second one um in Vegas I feel like they were both kind of like premature and they were both um there could have been arguments against not firing him of course like he brought that that Vegas team to the highest of heights in their first two years. Like, yeah, obviously their second year when they fired him, they were in that wild card spot, but they eventually made it to the playoffs and, and the conference finals. So like, I don't know. And then again, in Florida, um, I don't quite remember why he was fired down there, but I, I could, I remember it was, it was controversial. Um, so I think he's, he's probably the front runner for me. Um, I don't know like where the Rangers heads are, but I think for, for like what I envision, I think he's definitely the guy that I want in there. Um, with that being said though, if Rob Brind Brindamore is available, I definitely would rather him to be honest with you. Cause I feel like he came into that Carolina team and like, like, like you said, I feel like they were very skill based when he first got there. And they were very like raw talent. They haven't really progressed. And then once he got there, he kind of got all those guys into like a gritty style of play. And they're all like, they all progressed really, really well under him. Talking so, about right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if um, isn't that what I said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't. I, I got confused. Like the the two teams because they're actually kind of they're kind of similar. But I, I get what you're saying about yeah. So then and. And like, I don't know if the contract, I think his contract's up this year. I don't know if, if they'll kind of fall through. I don't see them falling through, but if he ends up not returning to Carolina, I think the Rangers will definitely make a call. Yeah. If Brindamore is available at all, you throw every sack of money, every, every, like as much money as you could fit in the sack at him, <laughs> honestly, because that, 
that team, the Carolina structure, like the, the makeup of that on paper, I love it. I, I love it. I think that that's going to be a really good team for years to come just because of what Brindamore did to, to like with the younger guys. Just look at that first line, like the Spechnikov, Aho, Teravainen. Oh, my God, man. That's awesome. They're all young players, and they're just outstanding. Like, they're complete players, too. Like, Spechnikov's not just a goal scorer. He can drop the gloves. He fights. He's a pest. And Aho is good. Is a really good two-way player. And then Teravainen is a good playmaker, man. Like, he's just – he's great. And then your boy, Martin Nietzsche, is, yes, sir. is coming into his own. Yeah, he had it. He had a great season this year. Um, yeah, and and that's kind of why I don't, I don't really see um, Rob leaving. To be honest with you, I I don't see him wanting to walk away from that. Um, unless money doesn't align, I really don't think that he would want to leave. Yeah, no, I don't. Th- I don't think he's gonna, he's going to leave. But if if he does, then I think the range got to be all over that. But in the meantime, I think I think uh, Gerard Gallant, uh, Gerard Gallant, whatever, however you pronounce his name. He needs. He's the front runner for me because he basically had a guy, a, a group of guys. His first year with the the Golden Knights, he had a group of guys that just didn't fit. Nyland and Misfit Toys essentially on every NHL roster, and he brought them together, created this great defensive system, you know. And then the offense was just was great. I was like, I was looking the other day at you know all the goals they scored in the seventeen eighteen playoffs and. They, there was like just a lot of like different play styles. Like they're really good off the transition. They're good for checking. They could cycle the, their defensemen shoot for rebounds. Like this is all stuff that I want on, on my team. Like this is all fundamentals of hockey that you need to be good at They're They were very opportunistic too. I, I, I can't tell how many, I can't tell you how many times I saw like a goalie misplayed the puck and they just took it away and were able to score and just, they made the most of their opportunities. That's not really, much on the coach as it is on the players but he had a lot of guys like William Carlson was never good before he came to the Knights David Prawn had hit a roadblock in his career now he's back on the Blues and he's doing well uh, James Neal was good with them uh, Tyler Nosek Alex Tuck just a bunch of guys that were just ne- never really anything Cody Eakin too and he turned them into studs Shea the- Theodore I could keep going honestly like the the what he did with that team is just outstanding and I would love to see what he could do with the Rangers. Yeah, and I think that's what we're looking for. We're looking for experience. We're looking for someone that has proven to, to be able to do things like, like all the things you're saying. But I also don't see them jumping the gun on kind of a coach right now. I think they're going to take some time, see if any more coaches become available, um, talk to everyone that they want to talk to, and then um, – kind of see who impresses them the most I think and I don't like I said I don't think they're going to jump the gun but I think um Gallant like for all the reasons you said um he's definitely the guy that I want in there um but we'll see I don't know and then we were talking about assistant coaches a little bit to each other but like to be honest with you like (laughs) the average fan doesn't really know too much about any assistant coaches out there um so like it's not really worth our time but um I'm sure they could definitely especially with all the connects that all these guys have. And also the input of whoever their head coach um, that they end up going with will definitely uh, give some recommendations and guys that he would like to work with or worked well with in the past. Um, So I'm not too worried about like those assistant role positions, because I think there's a lot of knowledgeable hockey minds out there that are uh, 
very well equipped for that job, those jobs. So um, I'm not really too worried there. Yeah, I think I think Gallant would have enough knowledge to fill it in himself. I think that's what the coaches usually do. But the thing that I what, what really sold me on firing Quinn was just the offensive system and you know how he put together um, the young guys, how he integrated them. I wanted to see more. Quinn did a nice job putting Lafreniere on the first line and then putting, you know, I think he put Kako in the third line, actually. And there was a time he put him on the second line and then Kravtsov would go up and down between the fourth, the third and the second line. But I think, I think they needed to get more playing time, especially on the power play. Um, and the other thing that I didn't like about Quinn was his, the, the offensive system was suspect for me. I, I don't think, I don't think uh, they did well against like the trap. I don't know. I don't know if they, if, because it's, there's it, like a mentality aspect. Yes. We're not a, a dump and chase kind of team because all of our guys are skill players and they've never dumped and chased before in their life. But when you play that bad against a, a stiff hockey team like that, it's just really frustrating. And there's got to be a way to, to, to counter that. But like, I, I don't know, maybe I've said this so many times. Um, I don't know if I got the point across though. And it's like, yeah, we have all of these young, young guys, right. That we're talking about that are top six worthy players, right? Like Julian Gauthier, Kravstov, like a lot of these guys that are top six worthy and have played top six minutes everywhere else in their careers. Um, that haven't really come into their own in the NHL yet, which is fair because they're all extremely young. But I think you need to give all those guys the opportunity to prove that they can be there and the opportunity to develop and show you what they have um, before you start trading for those bottom six players, right? So we need all of those, all of the, we need most of those guys to pan out for us to eventually see which ones we're going to move and which ones we're going to keep, because you can't keep all of those skilled players. And like, I think Gordon and JD understood that too, but I think it's just some sort of impatience on the part of Dolan where it's like, there's, there's all these skilled players and that's what he sees in the lineup. But I think you, you need to let those players develop before you stunt their growth by putting up other guys that are going to take away their spots on the bottom six. You know what I mean? Like, I think that they need to give them one or two more years, kind of see where those guys are, see where they think they can develop into and then move the guys that you don't, that you don't think fit in the system and bring in those bottom six players that you think you need to play that gritty style. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I think, I think um, the argument can be made that the team is ready to take the next step forward and compete for the playoffs and, you know, like you don't want to just make the playoffs and then just just get kicked out of the first round. You want to see how, how well, how far you could go and stuff like you see really push yourself to the limit. Because if you take a look at Carolina's team in 2018-19, that was the first time they made the playoffs in I don't know how many years. I think it was the first time they made the playoffs since like 09, maybe 08, 09, maybe. God, maybe maybe since they won the Stanley Cup, I, I have no idea, but. They went up against the Capitals in the first round. Really young team. This is Spechnikov's first year. And they went against the defending Stanley Cup champions, and they beat them. They beat them. And they went all the way to the conference finals. That is what I want to see. Like, I don't want to just see, you know, you make the playoffs. I want to see you push and go as far. Exactly. But that's why I say I, I think that that's, that's an extreme case. And I say, like, I think that if you go and push now, like, that's what's going to happen. You're going to be stuck in that kind of – 
rut where you're only like getting to that first second round. But if you you give it patient, if you if you patiently wait, you wait, see where those players are, then fill your lineup slowly, slowly. I think in in even in one or two years, like we'll be good to go. But like I don't know. I think I don't think that they're gonna blow it up. They're they're gonna make like one or two moves, kind of get like some some older guys down and then down there in the bottom six. Um, so it's not going to be like a completely terrible move, I don't think. But I, I don't see the reason why you can't wait one more year, to be honest. Like, I, no, I yeah, I, I get what you, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, it's 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 tough to say, like because it is a really young team. I'm I'm not again. I don't I don't agree with the whole notion of blowing up the entire team. We just we just built this entire great squad of of young skill players. Um, I think just having one or two more guys in the bottom six is not going to be a big deal, honestly. Oh, you're right. You're no, right. Like, like, what do you have against adding Barclay Goudreau? I think he's a great player. I think he could do really well for us. And he, he's only 28. He's not that old. He's not like he's he's not the the guy that I'm talking to you about, like a Joe Thornton. Right. Like you know, he only got one or two more years in his career. Like, no, this is a guy that could probably play for another seven, eight years, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Five, five years, I'd say, because he, he is a bit of a physical player. He could put some points up too. I think I think it would be in the Rangers' best interest to go after Barkley Goudreau in the offseason because he he could he could win faceoffs and stuff, and he'd be really helpful. He'd be like another Kevin Rooney, but better, an upgrade over Kevin Rooney. All right. Yeah. I think I think the other names you kind of threw around, like Blake Holman and Martin Nook, definitely are guys that like they're like they're guys like. I'm thinking of, for some reason, I'm thinking of, like, Benoit Pouliot, who, like, came in um, the squad. He was kind of a weird case because he was a former first-rounder um, that never really panned out. But he played that bottom six uh, role pretty well. Um, he, he threw his body around. He had a big body. Um, he played that kind of power forward, but also kind of playmaking style. Um, he, was, he was a really great player. So, like, adding a guy like that for this squad is not a bad thing at all. Um, but I think guys like, um, like Blackwell have already proved to be like that type of player, uh, and Rooney as well. Um, and I think that if they grow with this squad, they can definitely be big parts, um, of that squad going forward, but also a guy like, uh, like Dominic Moore too. Like that would be, he, he was, he was, his role, um, in those, those teams that, that made the playoffs conference finals, Stanley cup finals was was insurmountable i think he was just as important as those top line guys yeah no no doubt i i think more was was great and he was good at face-offs too and i think you would you agree that an upgrade the rangers have to make in this offseason is getting better at face-offs oh 100 percent right 100 like, percent. they they definitely need to to get does eichel do that <laughs> eichel do that yeah i think, I think he does <laughs> right, pretty sure um because strom is still on and off like, okay, let me go back to your point about, like, waiting one more year. I don't I don't think – though. I get what you're saying. I really do. I, I know that these are young players. Like, Goche has only played – still only played a handful of games. And you, we, we as fans haven't seen what he's capable of yet, just yet. But I feel like James Dolan and Chris Drury are getting to the point where it's like, all right, we know we've pretty much seen – and we've seen enough of this kid. We've seen enough of, of this guy or this guy. And I'm not right. I, I, it really, it would suck to just move on from all, like the guys that haven't been able to crack the lineup, like a Gauthier or, you know, if Hayek, Hayek, uh, when Nils Lundqvist comes in and he push, if he pushes uh, a Hayek out, you know what I mean? Like we've seen a lot of Hayek. 
no i get you i honestly like yeah i I guess you're right and yeah it's i mean i I, it's not going to be like a full rehaul which i'm fine with so like moving one or two guys is not like the biggest of deals so like i don't i'm not gonna like be up in arms about it so i think like you're right and i think they do have the talent to make the playoffs and get valuable experience um in the playoffs even if they don't go far so like i guess you're right um because because making the playoffs the first year and getting knocked down the first or second round isn't necessarily a bad thing um if that starts to become a trend then yeah it's a bad thing but if those first or set first or second year you make the playoffs you you kind of struggle a little bit there I, I don't think that's too big of a problem i think as long as you address the issues and you kind of progress from there um it'll be okay so i'm i'm fine with that we want to be as well prepared for the playoffs as possible right that's just stumble in there and just like oh great we're here right exactly want to be able to like all right yeah this is good we actually made it here we have the we have the tools to compete we go up against these guys exactly that's that's all that's all i was trying to say like just make sure before you make that step you know that you're ready and you have the guys that you want for to make that step right that's 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 all i was saying they're certainly not going to blow up the court don't worry they're not going to trade lafreniere or top it's, it's not going to happen. I, I don't see them. I could see maybe if they wanted to go for Eichel, maybe they trade Krabs off. I wouldn't do it, but uh, I think, I think the major guys are going to, are, are staying. It's just the guys that, that can't crack the lineup. I think Gauthier may, may be on his way out. Maybe like Howden is probably going to get selected by a crack in Hayek maybe because the defensive defensively we're getting, we're getting younger and, you know, our prospects are starting to come together like Robertson, Braden Schneider, Nils Lundqvist. Yeah. So like, if we, if we get like, let's talk about that Eichel trade for a little bit for now, because if we trade one of those guys that's available for the, the, um, the expansion draft, they're only helping our case to be honest. So like trading a guy like Gauthier or, or Howden in that Eichel trade won't be terrible for us, you know, cause we wouldn't lose them for nothing. Gauthier can be a great player. And again, like what Statboy Steven said when he came on the first time, he was saying like he's been one of his biggest defenders. He loves everything he does. It's just that he couldn't crack the lineup. And I, I think that has more to do with Quinn than yeah. himself. But, yep. oh, man, yeah, now now that I'm thinking it's really tough. Like giving up on a guy like that, a former first rounder, you've seen flashes of what he could possibly do. Ah, it's it would be it would be really tough to you know just just give up on that but like he hasn't cracked our lineup and we're not really using him as much it's just the same thing as like you know how i i would say like for an eichel trade you could have d'angelo we're not using him just take him yeah kind of the same thing as that we're not really they weren't really using gochia down the stretch how many times was he scratched like 13 times in a row maybe right right yeah So, so if he's not being used i think it's also like positional like I'm not. I think Howden played most of the year at center, or he kind of, he was kind of shifted to the wing as well. Um, and if you if if Rooney played that center slot on the fourth line, and Howden played on the wing, I don't see like what person would think that Julian Gauthier isn't a better option on that that line than Howden. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess Howden plays a lot a, a better defensive game. But I'm not sure. I, I haven't really like examined them them that much. But um, yeah, trading a guy that we're not using for a guy like Jack Eichel, yeah, 
that but like the thing is like they can get use out of all these players up in buffalo so like it's not that big a deal for them you know right right like Gauthier would be like a, a pretty top line player for them he plays yeah, second no. third line i think he could i think he could play well he could play well there uh you know sam reinhardt this was his first year pretty much without eichel and he proved everyone that to everyone that he's a great player Sam Reiner is like a really good player. I think he's a, a top line center. He's capable of that. He's capable of doing all this stuff by himself. Uh, you give him, you give him some options. Like if you give him Gauthier, you imagine how good Gauthier will be there. Like that, that that's a good asset for for Buffalo in a, in a potential trade. And they shouldn't worry about you know Eastern Conference, Western Conference because they're not in the position to be competing for the playoffs. If you're trading Eichel, you're giving up your one your best player. You really think you're going to make the playoffs like in the first year after that? Yeah, years to come, you will. You hopefully you'll start to make the playoffs, but you're not really in a position to be worrying about that. I heard this. Uh, Elliot Friedman was talking about it on some podcast. Uh, I think it was like today. I was listening today, um, and he was saying something like that. You don't want them to come back and bite you in the ass, really. But you're not really in that position yet. You're not competitive team yeah but still you don't want to be playing your former second overall pick like 10 times a year you know what i mean yeah but okay yeah but this isn't these aren't the actual divisions we're so we're gonna be in our division buffalo you think these these divisions are staying no but weren't they in our division no they weren't they were in the atlantic we're in the metro oh shoot so you would only play them twice a year pretty much so I, I don't think you should be worrying about the East versus West thing. And that, and that's, you, you should be looking for the best. If you know, like I told you yesterday, if you know that this guy is going to want out, but his no trade clause is, is going to limit you to what deal you could get. You should maximize the return. Yeah. Return. Yeah. No. If and they definitely are certain that he wants to leave and he, he's done everything except for, I want to trade except for, for like re- requesting a trade. Yeah, no. Interviews, it was just, oh my God, man. Like, this guy just wants out. He's begging to be traded. Yeah, they definitely are going to go for the, the, the best package, I think. I, I don't – yeah, you're right. But, like, I, I, I think some other teams can give can, can give, give competing packages, to be honest with you. Sorry, I just had, like, an aneurysm saying that. I don't know why. <laughs> but I think that, like – Teams like um, Anaheim have been in discussions about it because they want to make a big splash. Or like, um, obviously LA. Everyone's talking about LA, the probably the best pipeline in in the NHL. So they can definitely bolster up a good package too. So I'm just afraid that we might not have the best package out there. So I don't know. The best, we- the best I would offer is Strom, Gauthier, Zach Jones, and a first round pick. And here's what they'd be getting. Strom is a bona fide 2C. They already have Reinhardt, who's proven he could be a 1C. So there you go. You got Reinhardt, Strom, 1-2. It's not bad. They have Then they would be getting Gauthier, who is raw, but he's got potential. He just needs to be polished, and he needs playing time. That's, this is what he, that's what he desperately needs. He needs consistent playing time. If he gets that, I think he could be a really good player. Zach Jones, we can't, we're going to be running out of blue line space very, very soon. Braden Schneider is going to be coming soon. Nils Lundqvist is coming over next year. We're going to have Truba healthy. And I think the Rangers are going to be inclined to 
keep Brendan Smith around because he's been he did really well for us last year. And then the first round pick is just icing on the cake. That's that's not this year's first round pick. Hell no, you're not getting that one. You're getting next year's first round pick. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we might need to throw in this year's or or some or some other pick, maybe a third yeah, rounder I'll get or fourth rounder. Second or something like that, but you're not getting another you're not getting two first round picks. That's a that's a good trade offer. Because this is this is Eichel that needs to get surgery that's never been done on an NHL player before. Apparently, he's got a ten million dollar cap hit. And he's got a no trade clause kicking in soon. So th- these are all the, the Rangers would be taking all ten million of that salary. All ten, yeah. no reten- no retention, none of that. You're not you're not throwing in Ocposo for two years. You're not throwing in Skinner's. 15 million thousand years or whatever you're not you're not doing that it's just eichel straight up no salary retention all 10 million dollars yeah i think like you said i think those those factors and the no move clause the, the the cap hit um and all those different factors the surgery i think they definitely are going to lower his stock a lot and teams are not going to be paying a premium for him no matter who ends up trading for him i think that the packages are definitely going to be a lot smaller than everyone's thinking like like i don't know i don't get it i've seen these charts on twitter like like mock trades but like who was the most involved player and like a thousand simulated mock trades or something and like capo caco was like the highest player it's just like so stupid like there's no world in where capo caco gets traded in that in that deal not even pre-injury not even pre-injury. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't know what you're talking about if you think Kako is going straight up. First. Yeah, and I've seen so many of those. It's like it's like Kako Lafreniere, like our first-round pick this year. Like, like Hedl was in there, too. Hedl might be in, in that package. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, like, it's just, like, I don't know. Buffalo already wasted an opportunity to trade him before the injury. They could have gotten way more back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to know. Back. I want to know so badly what we offered them last offseason. Honestly, I, I don't know. It might be a little less than what I proposed. You think so? Like, because what I've heard, I think it was Elliot Friedman who said it too. He was yeah. like, he was like, Buffalo was kind of intrigued by the offer too. But I'm they, sure if they if if that same offer was offered to them right now, oh, they would hundred percent take it. But yeah, they they're not going to get that this time around. They're going to get something less. less. Yeah gonna be less than that which yeah. is good news yeah uh i don't think yeah you, you you're out of your mind if you think it's going to be like a kako and lafreniere for for eichel get out of here that's not happening it's not happening you know fox straight up for eichel we talked we talked about it with natalina hanging up the phone bye Dude, no oh, way they man. no way they even have the audacity to ask something like that no way jeez man like yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't with that. Um, all right. So we've talked a lot about Jack Eichel on this podcast. The other thing that's happened in Rangerstown this week is Ryan Lindgren, shortly after his postgame or, you know, locker room breakup day interview, it was announced that he signed a three-year extension for $3 million per year. Bravo, Chris Drury. This is a good deal. Very- in the announcement on Twitter – from one of those hockey analysts, I was looking at the, the comments. Literally, I think every single fan 
that wasn't a Rangers fan was like overpay, 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 overpay. But everyone that was a Ranger fan was like, you guys are all like delusional. Like, because no one sees this guy day in and day out, what he brings to this mm. team. And the, the complimentary play that he brings to Fox, like, it, and like his gritty style, he's literally like bleeding every single game. <laughs> like, th- there's there's no other player like him. I think that was a great deal. Um, nice little three-year deal. Um, I like it. I, I like it a lot. Cap hit is $3 million for 21, 22, and all the way up to 23, 24. Base salary of $2 million this year, $3 million the following year, and $4 million the last year. This is a good deal. This is a good deal for, for him and for the team. This is not an overpayment at all. This is, actually, you could make the argument it's underpay. Like, he could deserve three and a half, three seven five, maybe even $4 million, because he's played so, so well under with, with Fox. And that's the pair for the future. I, like, a lot of people are saying – Oh my God, the Corsi stats of, of Fox and Keandre Miller, they should definitely be a pair. Righty, lefty, oh, it'd be beautiful. Like, no, 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 Miller's good. I love him. But no, Fox and Lindgren has proven to be so effective. So why would you break that up? I could see maybe you want to try something different in case something else happens, or like injury happens or something like that. If Lindgren goes down, um, you could do it then. But Fox and Lindgren all the way, baby. Yeah, I'm with you on that train. I don't see the problem with trying to, like, figure out lines, um, especially when guys like Schneider and, and Lundqvist come in. But, yeah, you're definitely right. Like, that 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 pair has proven to be so, like, <laughs> so good that you just can't argue against them. So. Yeah. So, congrats to Ryan Lindgren. You know he's going to do well. You know, there's going to be more games where he's bleeding, which is <laughs> – all that Girardi 2.0 from the left side. <laughs> Honestly, I think, I think so he reminds me so much of him. Um, and speaking of Girardi and the old teams, today is May 13th, which is National Lundquist Day. It's oh. unofficially, officially National Henrik Lundquist Day. Of course, 2013, 14, and 15 on the day May, 8th, May 13th, 35 saves in game sevens to lead the Rangers to uh, playoff victory, playoff victories and series wins. I'm going to, I'm going to post that graphic we posted last year on our story. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's one of the craziest stats. Just unbelievable. There's so many great memories. Um, and hopefully this team can figure it out, put it all together and give us more memories like that. We want to see, we want to see our cup window open up realistically and uh you know this is this would be great uh has done so much we always talk about him on here we're just so thankful that, that he was uh you know carrying our franchise for so many years he, he's coming back as an assistant coach yeah he's coming back as an assistant coach whenever he decides to retire rangers should accept him with open arms oh 100 percent hundred yeah. percent. I think Chris Drury would definitely be down to do that. He would definitely be like, yeah, sure. Hank, thanks for, thanks for saving uh, our teams. Uh, when I was back <laughs> captain, captain, you know, and, uh, you can come, you can come be an assistant to Benoit Lair. All right. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? I think I'm good. Yeah, I'm good too. So thanks everyone. We'll cue the outro. Have a nice weekend. <laughs>
Thanks everyone for tuning in. Stay tuned for more New York Rangers info by visiting boysandblue94.com and our Instagram at theboysandblue94. See you all next time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.